Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you in the house of God. I hope that the word of God is always challenging, uplifting, encouraging, transformational, and practical in your life. I want to give you, uh, can I give you a practical, just a, you can put this into action when you walk out the doors, right from God's word in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. It says, make yourself an ark. I just figured that every good preacher in North Carolina was going to open with an ark joke this morning. So I was a little bit stressed. I was like, I need an ark, something. I need an ark. But really, Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, the the word I want to give you this morning is, is called fill the house, fill the house. And filling the house is dependent upon uh, an invitation. There's something about getting a good invitation. Any, anybody uh, remember the last time they got a good invitation, invitation that they wanted? Or, or maybe, maybe it was actually you were throwing the event or something was going on in your life and you ordered the invitations and they came to you and you were getting ready to send out the invitations. Remember your, your high school invitations? Your high school graduation invitations when they came. Basically, I don't know what it said on the card, but here's what it meant. It meant that I am now entering into the world, so give me some money. <laughs> they might as well just say that straight on the invitation. Or like when you, like when you graduated from college, uh, they should say, I now have a whole lot of student loan debt, so give me some money. Or, or when you got married, it's like I'm entering a new phase of my life, so give me a blender. You know, like just these, these different uh, invitations that we sent out. I want to preach to you about invitations. And, and as we do, so the backstory of this is that Jesus is eating a meal at a prominent leader's house. Are you catching kind of the undercurrents of the themes of this series? A lot of food, right? Because uh, that's what good church people do. I don't know, the Baptists may have invented it, but the, but the Pentecostals took it to a whole nother level. Fried chicken and Jesus, that's a good combination. Somebody say amen, there ain't nothing wrong with that. So, so Jesus is eating a lot as he's sharing the gospel. And um, what, I love, what I love about Jesus is one week he's in the house of Nicodemus, and the next week he's with the woman at the well. And then he's with Zacchaeus, and then, he, and then he's with the Samaritan woman. And, and we see that Jesus, Jesus, it doesn't matter this morning if you're rich and broken or poor and broken or middle and broken. Like, it doesn't matter. Jesus is, has meals with all of these different people, and there's the power of an invitation. And, and so what I want you to do as I read this story is I want you to find yourself in this story. Because there's, there's three groups of people, and we're going to walk through these three people groups. And I want you to find yourself in one of these three people groups in this story. Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 16. For there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited Invited many, and when it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests, saying, Come on in, food's on the table. And they all began to beg off one after another, making excuses. And the first said, I bought a piece of property and need to look it over, send my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen and I really need to check them out, send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married and need to get home to my wife. And the servant went back and told the master what had happened, and he was outraged. And told the servant, quick, 
Get out into the city streets, into the alleys, collect all who look like they need a square meal. All the misfits, all the homeless, all the wretched, you can lay your hands on and bring them here. So when we read these stories, sometimes we have the propensity to be uh, like the hero, like we want to read ourselves into the hero, and you're, you're reading that or you're listening to that this morning and saying, yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy who threw the banquet. I'm the, I'm the person who needs to give the invitations, and, and you are partially. We'll get to that, but the first person or the first group of people you are in the story are, are the group of people that didn't deserve the invitation in the first place. Can I, can I just remind you that when the Bible talks about the misfits and the broken and the homeless and the wretched, he's talking about you. Tap your neighbor, say, preacher's talking about you again. Like, like I never, I never want to get too far away from grace. Like an arm's length from grace. Like I always want to be right there and remember that I didn't deserve an invitation to come to Jesus. Um, read a story recently, and the author was telling uh, the author was telling about part of his story as a dad, and they had recently adopted an eight year old girl into their family, and she was the middle child into this family. And uh, he said he wasn't exactly sure what had happened in the previous situation. Um, he said he, he felt like the family had meant well, but uh, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. She had actually been adopted before. And it was about two years, and the adoption was dissolved. And so uh, he, they took this girl into their family. And it also found out that part of her history, for whatever reason, this family, previous family, would go to Disney World. And they would take all of the kids except her. And, and they would leave her with friends or with relatives. And so when he found that out, I said, next time I have a speaking engagement in Florida, we're going to, we're going to Disney World. And so they were, this would happen, and then they were planning and everything like that. And, and uh, when, when the girl found this out, her, her behavior, her behavior became, became horrible. Like she started, act, like he said, it was almost in, inexplainable. He said, like, all she would have had to do was ask for a snack, and somebody would have given her a snack, but she was going to a store and stealing food. Um, in situations, she wouldn't just like come up with these cutting remarks to her sisters. It was like she had spent time carefully crafting these cutting remarks and delivering them to her sisters. And it just, the behavior was, was horrible. And so the dad just pulls the girl into the room and he said, sweetheart, uh, we, we've got we've to talk about this. And right off the bat, right off the bat, she said, I know what you're going to do. He said, what, what, sweetheart? She said, I'm not going to Disney World, am I? And the guy said, I'll be honest. He said, I wasn't thinking about that punishment before she mentioned it. But once she mentioned it, it started seeming like a good idea. And like, what? well, that's a good, I'll just hold this over her head. But he said, but he said in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit kind of nudged him. And, uh, uh, and he, said, he said this to her. He said, sweetheart, is this trip something we're doing as a family? And through her brown eyes, wide, tear-rimmed, she, she nodded. And the dad said, are you part of this family? And she nodded. And she said, then you're, he said, then you're going to Disney World. Well, it didn't change the behavior. In fact, it got worse. Leading up to the trip, down the, down the trip, down the interstate, as they were staying in this hotel in Lake Buena Vista in Florida and all of that. I mean, just, just horrible meltdowns and everything. But, but she was part of the family, and so they were going to Disney World. And, and the dad described them the day at Disney World. Tell me if this sounds a little bit familiar. He says, overpriced tickets, overpriced meals, 
lots of lines mingled with just enough manufactured magic to consider maybe going again someday. So they get through this day and they come back and they, they come back to the hotel and she's tired and she's kind of crashed and, and, and a little bit weepy as she's in, the, she's in the chair. And the dad goes over to her and he says, sweetheart, she said, he said, how was your day? And, and, and this was her response. She said, daddy, she said, I finally got to go to Disney World. And then she said this, but it wasn't because I was good it's because I'm yours. And that's what grace is. That's what a picture of grace is this morning. That everything that's good and wonderful in your life, it's not because you were good. It's because you belong to Jesus. It's because he's your father. It's because of the cross. It's because he died for you. That's, that's grace. Matthew tells us grace is a farmer paying a full day's wage to a crew of deadbeat day laborers with only a single hour punched on their time card. Hosea and Ezekiel tell us that grace is a man marrying an abandoned woman and then refusing to forsake his covenant with her when she turns out to be a prostitute. Luke chapter 15 tells us it's the insanity of a shepherd who puts 99 sheep at risk to rescue a single lamb that's too stupid to stay with the flock. Luke chapter 15, that same chapter, says that grace is the love of a father who hands over his finest rings and robes to a young man who has squandered his inheritance on drunken binges and his fair-weathered friends. That's what grace is. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God who gave you an invitation, not when you were all cleaned up, but when you were a mess, when you were wretched, when you were homeless, when you were lost? And that's the kind of, that's the kind of church we are. It's the kind of church CFA has always been is a church that welcomes people that never deserved an invitation to go to church in the first place, much less come to Jesus. So we're all in that category. And then there's, well, and then there's the people who make excuses. Did you catch, did you catch that, that category of people? Let me, let me read this to you again. So verse 18, they all began to beg off one after another making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and need to look over it, send my regrets. And another said, I just bought five teams of oxen, I really need to check them out, send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married and need to get home to my wife. See, we all have this, um, we all have a, an ability within us to, to make excuses, don't we? Uh, I love this excuse that a mother wrote for her teenage girl who was late to school again this was in 2016, and uh, the excuse note reads this way. To whom it may concern. Kara is tardy this morning as a result of a condition known as teenageism. <laughs> Adolescents across our great nation are afflicted, and there is no known cure. <laughs> Symptoms are multiple, but this particular morning she suffered from an inability to remove herself from her bed and also felt the need to talk back to her birth giver. <laughs> she seems to be recovering her senses after watching her cell phone fly out of the car window. <laughs> Please call me if there's another flare up. <laughs> I 
Somebody was jotting notes. You, you hadn't taken notes in five weeks, but you're like, I'm writing that one down. I can use that, Pastor Doug. Thank you for that. Here's what I noticed when I started reading those excuses. Here's what caught me. They were good excuses, weren't they? It wasn't like, hey, I can't come to your dinner party because I have a heroin addiction. Hey, hey sorry, I, sorry I can't make it. Uh, running with the wrong crowd. We're planning on robbing a bank tonight. Like they weren't, they weren't bad. Can I tell you in your life the thing that is keeping you from God are probably not bad things in your life. It's good excuses. You're talking, you're, you're talking yourself out of greatness because that's what we do. We have the propensity to self-sabotage ourselves, and when we get close to break, when we get close to breakthrough, when we get close to being a worshiper, when we get close to making uh, that breakthrough into that next level, we start coming up with excuses in our minds, and we sabotage ourselves back down to the level of mediocrity. So, so let me let me explain it like this. I don't know if this is five years, but I'm going to draw an arbitrary line of five years. For some of you, it was one year. For some of you, it's seven. But you'll understand. See, out of, out of bad and good and great, because God doesn't call you to goodness. He calls you to greatness. When God called Abram, he didn't say, Abram, I'm going to make your name mediocre. I'm going to make your, make your name pretty good. He said, I'm going to call you to greatness. You have greatness in you. Don't let yourself talk you out. Talk yourself out of what God God has already put in you. You were not put on this planet to live a mediocre life, to live halfway for God. He put fire in your gut. He put, he put life change in you. That's what you're made of. And so when you were first saved, you know what was pulling at you, trying to pull you out of greatness in your life? It was badness, wasn't it? Wasn't it like, like Jesus just saved you from a certain lifestyle and then you got tempted to go back with that same group of friends? Or you got tempted to fall back into that same, those same habits. But five years later, again, arbitrary number, but somewhere, somewhere along the line, you broke free from those habits. But now, now what is keeping you from greatness is complacency. Now what's keeping you from greatness is, is mediocrity. Now what's keeping you from greatness is some excuses that sound like really good excuse. They sound really good because the enemy knows that you're smart and if he would come back to you and say like come up with a, a an excuse like uh hey the, here's what the enemy's probably not doing to you. he's not whispering to you in church today hey hey uh i'm gonna tempt you with this let's come sacrifice a goat to the devil behind the build behind the church building right like that's probably not for most people that's probably but here's what the enemy is doing here's what the enemy is doing hey just back off a little bit Hey, you're worshiping just a little too much this way. Hey, you're reading your Bible just a little. Could you just, could you just back off a little bit? Could you be a mediocre Christian? That's what these excuses, and I find it fascinating that Jesus didn't get mad at the broken people. Jesus got mad at the church people who were making excuses why they couldn't catch fire for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what Jesus doesn't understand. Jesus isn't mad at sinners who sin. He's mad at, he's mad at Christians who aren't on fire for the Lord. And, and did, you catch the, did you catch the categories of these excuses? It was being out of town, and it was work, and it was family. Okay, so it's already quiet in here. I'm going to go ahead and go in. Let me um, just under your breath, say, I love you, Pastor, and no matter what you say, I'm going to love you after you tell me this. So can I read this in modern day uh, 
modern-day U.S. Christianity. Then they all began to make excuses one after the other. And the first said, um, I bought a house at the beach and need to go down there, so I'm going to miss church for 13 weeks. Send my regrets. Another said, another said, I've got to work overtime to impress the boss, and I really need to go to work on Sunday. I'm not going to be in church. Send my regrets. And yet another said, there was a coach that told me that if I invested $13,000 in this travel youth sports program and was gone from church for 42 weeks in a row, that my kid might just make it, and I need to go there. So um, listen, I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not mad at vacations. I'm not mad at your beach house. Uh, you can invite me there any time you want to. <laughs> not mad at sports. My kid plays soccer. I'm not, not mad at any of those things. But do you see how the tool of the enemy in the U.S. American church is to, is to have good excuses? Good, good excuses. Mom, moms and dads, can I set you free? If the Lord wants your kid to get a college scholarship and to be a professional soccer player, then if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be added unto you. The Lord will make a way for your kid. And besides, I've seen your kid play soccer and he's not that good anyway. I'm just kidding. He's a star. <laughs> Good excuses. You know, what I see, you know what I see CFA being? I see CFA being a church of excuse crushers. I see you crushing excuses, crushing the excuses that would keep you from the God-ordained greatness for both you and your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. Greatness is in you, and I speak over you, CFA, that you won't make excuses any longer. You won't make excuses to be great. You won't make excuses to take your business to the next level. God's speaking to somebody this morning. You're not going to make excuses to be the husband that you need to be. You're not going to make excuses to be the engaged couple that you need to be. No more excuses in the house any longer. You are going to crush excuses starting today, and it is going to be a new day for you in the house of God. And then here's the final group of people is the people who hand out invitations. So you got the people that didn't deserve invitations in the first place, the people who got an invitation but made an excuse why they didn't want to be here, and then we all want to be in this group, the people who hand out invitations. The servant responded back, Master, I did what you commanded, and there's still room. And the master said, the master said, get into your four-wheel drive pickup and go to the country roads. Go to China Grove and to Mount Pleasant. You see how much Jesus loves country music? You see this in here? I think. Then go to the country roads. Get a little mud on your tires. Come on, somebody. Take those BFG KO2s out of the car wash and get them on a dirt road. Your SUV wasn't made for pavement. Come on, I'm going to preach this. I'm going I'm to preach you out of the mud and then right back in the mud. <laughs> and then whoever you find, I love this. I love the way the message reads here. Whoever you find, drag them in. 
Some, sometimes you need to give a nice invitation to somebody to come to church, and sometimes you just got to drag them in. Just drag it. They don't, kicking and screaming, drag them here, get them here. I want, and then this is God's heart. This is the heart of God encapsulated. He says, I want my house full. Grandma, isn't there something about a full house at Christmas time? Isn't there something about all the kids around the table? That's, that's the heart. The heart of God here is I want all my kids. I want all my kids here. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much a bite at the dinner party. Now, I got to kind of preach, but I got to give announcements. And I'm horrible at giving announcements in the middle of a message. But I got to do this, and we'll figure out a way that I can do this better at some point. But let me, uh, let me walk through several things. Because I said to you last week that I, we had some exciting stuff to share, and we do. So, so let me back up. Um, uh, a couple weeks ago, we announced that really the combina culmination of, of 60 years of what God is doing in this county, that we were able to officially become a dream center. And this is, uh, I think we've got a picture right here. So this is a, this is a uh, uh, yeah, give God praise for, for this. Now, this is what they call in the designing arts world as a mock-up. Meaning it's not really on the building, so don't drive across the street and be like, Pastor Doug, you're a liar. Okay, it's not really there. But it's coming. It's official. We've signed the paperwork. So God is doing. So I want, you, I want you to see this pattern. Do you see the pattern in Scripture? That Jesus says, there's people that need a meal. Go out and get them and bring them into the house of God and feed them a meal. So, like, go out and get people, bring them into the house and feed them a meal. Like, that's, there's just a pattern that works. How many of you were involved in youth ministry at one point in your lives? That's what we did. It was called run a bus and free pizza, right? And that's what, like, it works. That, that, the run a bus and free pizza model is straight out of Luke chapter 14. So here's what we're going to do. We have, we are now going to have, and really already have, but we're going to up our gospel game. We have clients at our Dream Center that we feel like we don't want to just share Jesus with them, which we're doing, uh, where they're at, but we want to get them here on Sunday mornings. So what better way to get people in the house than a free meal? So we're going to, beginning on March 31st, we're going to take the idea of a Wednesday night dinner, and we're going to do it on, on Sunday afternoons. And for our Dream Center clients, the meal is going to be free. All y'all, now don't, you don't have to cook. Come on, everybody that cooks on Sunday said a big amen or has to stand in line. So we're going to, so we're going to, do you see how this is all coming together? The rich, the poor, the middle, everybody together, everybody together, eating together together at the table of God. And so if we're going to bring more people in, then we're going to need more room. So beginning on March 31st, we're going to go to multiple, multiple services. So we're going to multiply even more. In Concord, we're going to three services, 830, 10, and 1130. Davidson is going to three. Sundays at 845, 1015. Mondays, 645. Espanol at 1130. Listen, the whole thing is we just want more opportunities for more people to hear about Jesus. Now, if we're going to do that, we need more we need more workers. So everybody grab this card and we have a we have a chance. Go ahead, grab this card. If you don't fill it out, your your neighbor, I give you permission to fill the card out for the person beside you. And you can just operate in a word of knowledge and you say, "I think you'll be good in kids ministry." Check. I'm going to turn it in for you. So 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 this is this is what we're encouraging everybody to do on Sundays. Attend one and serve one. 
attend one, serve one. So there will be less time, turnaround time in between services, right? So, so your time isn't even going to be extended, but if everybody would attend one and serve one, then we would have all the children's workers, all the 365 remix, all the, the shuttle drivers. We're going to serve the meal down there. By the way, by the way, our, our food services doesn't just need volunteers. They need actually more workers. So if you know somebody that needs a job, see Pastor Steve or somebody, like we've got, we've got employment opportunities, but, but we, want to, we want to come together on Sunday mornings and just fill the house. Can we do that? Can you believe God? Can we believe God to fill the house multiple, multiple times over? And so uh, go ahead and, and just turn to your neighbor and ask them that. Say, will you, will you serve one with me on Sunday? Go ahead and ask them. Will you serve one with me? Go ahead and fill that out. Put your name. We've got 125 ministry opportunities at CFA. These are the ones that we're in immediate need for. Uh, we need 16 camera operators. This, the message and the worship gets broadcast to thousands, uh, over a thousand people every week. We need some more people for that. But we just want you, and, and we'll get you plugged into Growth Track so it's an area that you are excited about serving in and using your gifts to, to serve Jesus. So please fill that out, and we'll turn that in on the way uh, out of service today. Let me tell you one more story. A couple, couple weeks ago, um, several, well, more than, more than a couple weeks ago, it was actually in the fall, and the Lord had begin, begun to speak to us as a staff about this idea of multiply, this idea of the greatest year of evangelism. And um, our, our team knew it, and you know, it wasn't a secret, but we, had, we didn't broadcast it, so no, not a lot of other people knew it, maybe some of the spouses, or because um, we were just in the beginning of praying through this and formulating this. And it was between services here at the Concord campus, and I was in the hallway, and uh, somebody had come up to me and just said, Pastor, uh, he, said, he said, I know you've got another service to preach, and I don't want to take your time, but he said, I want to I tell you about a dream that my, my daughter had. And I looked at my watch, and it was actually a little bit ahead of schedule. So I said, you know what, I got, I got time now. Would you mind just sharing it with me? And I'm not exactly sure what the age of his daughter is. I'm guessing around nine or 10 years old. And I love, I love the gifts of the spirit. And I love when God uses people in the gifts of the spirit. And, uh, but there's something, about, there's something about when a child is, is used in this way. She had no agenda. She had no idea. She probably didn't go to bed that night thinking, hey, how can I have a dream to confirm something that God had been speaking to Pastor Doug? Like she just had a dream and I wanna share with you the dream. I may mess up a couple of minor details, but I want you to get the, the gist of this whole thing. She said, uh, and this was through her dad, but uh, Pastor, I had, I had a dream and CFA was at the beach. And I was like, well, that's from the Lord right there. I know that's, I know that's from God. But she said, down on the beach, there were all these people and there was a, there was, there was a crowd, there were masses of people and, and there was a huge fire on the beach. It was just engulfing and consuming. And she said, CFA was, was three tiers removed from the beach and so it was at a safe place. And she said, what I saw the people, what I saw the people at CFA doing is they were throwing out ropes and here's what spoke to me so deeply, and I want you to catch the nuance of it. She said, people 
people weren't climbing up the robes that the church was, was throwing out. Because now I'm going to move into a little bit of an interpretation of this. And there's nothing wrong with this, but I want you to just see how for people who like church is a normal part of your routine, I think sometimes we get this mentality of, hey, we're, we're here and the doors are open, so, so come on in. Here's a rope. She said, that's not what was happening. She said, people weren't climbing up the rope. She said, people at CFA were throwing out ropes and then, and then they, you were climbing down the rope. Do you see the difference? There are some people who are so broken that it's not just a billboard and, hey, church is open, come into the house of God. They need us to climb down the rope and say, come with me. I'm coming by your house. I know, I know you've been struggling from depression, but I'm coming by your house and I'm knocking on your door at 9.15 in the morning to bring you to the 10 o'clock service. Be ready. Be ready. I'm bringing you. I'm gonna drag. I'm gonna drag you in. I'm gonna ask you next week. I'm gonna drive a shuttle, and we're gonna run buses at Davidson to our Davidson football team. That maybe they're freshmen and sophomores, and and they don't have a car, and they they are unable to get to church in the Ada Jenkins area. And our Dream Center class, and Pastor, I'll drive a shuttle. Pastor, I got a rope, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go down the rope. And then she said this. And multitudes of people started coming to safety. Multitudes of people started coming into the house that my house may be full. One more thing before we pray this morning. I want to talk to somebody in the house that maybe you have an invitation that you haven't responded to yet. Um, I found out something about myself this week. Uh, the Enneagram, y'all, y'all took that test? Like, I knew that I was kind of messed up in some areas. Now I'm messed up in areas that I didn't even realize I was messed up in. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> but I realize, I do, I do this. Now I know, like, why I do this. So I'm like the majority of a seven with some really strong three tendencies as well. So I don't know how that works out. You say, well, you can't be that, Pastor. You, you got to be a seven wink. No, I'll tell you what I can be. Don't tell me, Enneagram, don't tell me how to live my life. I'll tell Enneagram how I'm going to live my life. That's how it's going to work. So whatever, I'm going I'm to, but here's one, here's a three, here's a seven tendency. Pastor John, we like to keep our options open. Now, Pastor John, there isn't even another number on He's just seven. He's like seven all day. It's God's number. <laughs> but sevens, we like to keep our options open. So when I get an invitation in the mail, even if it's something that like, and Kim and I can't go to everything and, and thank you for being so gracious with us and, and you're, you're so kind to our, our family understanding our schedules, but we like to. We like to go to, uh, to weddings and events of, of people that we, we love and know and celebrate with you guys, but there, I got an invitation and um, it was a wedding that, that we were gonna go to and I looked on the, the calendar and it was wide open and I knew I was gonna respond yes. And I waited one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I waited two months. And I responded the day after the invitation was due because I'm a seven. And apparently that's what we do. Like that's, I know it's not right. Y'all, some of you are judging me. Really? I'm working through. I just found this out yesterday. Okay, I'll work on it. 
But like, I had the invitation and I knew I was gonna respond to the invitation, but I just hadn't responded yet. And what I feel like is there's a couple people in the house today that you love Jesus. You know you're going to give your life to Jesus, but you just haven't given it to him yet. And I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know what the hesitation, like you wouldn't be in church this morning if you didn't wanna follow Jesus. And so God is just saying, this morning is your morning. This morning is your morning to say yes to Jesus. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed at all of our locations, watching online, if that's you, pastor, I know that Jesus is inviting me to be a child of God and I don't wanna put it off any longer. I wanna respond in the, in the affirmative right here and right now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to just shoot up your hand. Don't put it off any longer. Today is your day. This morning is your morning. One, two, three. Pastor, that's me. I want to get, I got you. Who else? Who else? I got you. Who else? Online, click the button at all of our locations. We'll respond to you. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Just say his name. Say, Jesus, today is my day. I want to give my life to you. I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you died for me. So I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.